This is the Langpreneur podcast where each week we interview experts in the language learning industry who will show you how to turn your passion for languages into a profitable online business so that you can create an independent career doing something you love. I'm your host, Jan van der Aan. Hey everybody, this is Sean and you're listening to the Langpreneur podcast. This is episode number 56 and I'm glad you're back. Um, I, first of all, I hope that you enjoyed the episode that we published last Tuesday. So the idea is that on Tuesday we publish episodes in, in which we answer some of your questions. And if you have, I do that together with Oli, if you have any questions that you, want to, that you would like to ask us, then make sure to go to... Uh, our Facebook group, it's called Langpreneur Community. Um, you can you can apply there. We gonna we ask you three questions. Make sure to answer those questions. And if we think you're a good fit for the group, we will add you. And um, yeah, looking forward to seeing you there. Okay, so that's what we do on the Tuesday. We answer some of your questions, but on the Friday episodes, like the one we do today, we we we're gonna continue. We're doing interviews with inspiring Langpreneurs, right? Um, secondly, it's almost the end of the year. Almost the end of 2020, a very rough year for many of you, for me too. Um, we built a house, we moved over to the house in the beginning of this year. Only a few weeks later, our daughter was born and then COVID hit. Um, you know, if you guys know me, I really love traveling, going to events, meeting new people, doing all that kind of stuff. And... You know, actually, I traveled most of my 20s. That's exactly what, you know, what, what I've been doing all the time. Um, but this year, I just, you know, been sitting at home, being fully focused on, on the business, on, on Langpreneur, which is good for the business, of course. But I really start, I, I really start missing to meet people and just you know, travel a bit and refresh every now and then. I don't know about you, but I really need that kind of refreshment. Every now and then, so really looking forward to when we are going to be able to travel next year. Um, Business-wise, things are going well here at Langpreneur, and I hope that you've also been able to make some progress in your business. Let us know in that Facebook group if you, you know, let, let us know your wins, your achievements, and if you're still struggling, then also make sure to to connect to us there, and me or other community members will help you out. Okay. So for today, I have on the show Lindsay McMahon from the All Ears English podcast. Now, Lindsay has built a huge podcast. In fact, I think it's one of the bigger English podcasts out there. They have about 75,000 listeners per day. Yeah, that's not per month, per day. Just to give you some perspective, here on the Langpreneur podcast, we are very small. We only have like two or two and a half thousand listeners per month and Lindsay has 75,000 listeners per day <laughs> yeah just to um to get an idea of how big the podcast is now the good thing is that it's not just a podcast it's a real business Lindsay works with a team and she also has lots of courses she started her podcast back in two uh, sorry in 2013 and um yeah, things have been going very well. The, the thing with Lindsay is she's not just a language fan. I mean, yes, of course, she's very passionate about what she does and about teaching English, but she also really likes 
business and you can see that you can also hear that in this interview she's really passionate about all the aspects of building a business so yeah this is going to be a really interesting interview Lindsay is a really experienced Langpreneur so she has lots of um, lots of good advice for us here on the show today okay we're going to talk about how to build a team Um, we're going to talk about course creation very important many of you have been asking me about how to create a good course. Uh, Lindsay is going to share with you guys how she does it. Um, we're going to talk about how to segment leads, so how to make segments on your mailing list and how to do that through quizzes. Um, yeah, and she's going to share some more tips. Basically, everything she's going to learn in the last seven years building this huge, powerful brand because that's really what it is. This is a, this is a really good example of, you know, not just somebody with a big audience this is a really good example of a successful language business which is basically the combination of having a big audience having the ability to convert that audience and having lots of products so if you want to know how Lindsay does it then make sure that you're ready because we're going to get started now hope you enjoy Hey, Lindsay, welcome to the Langpreneur podcast tell us a little bit about yourself and what it is you do Hi, Jan. Thanks for having me. So I am the founder of All Ears English. We teach English as a second language to adult learners around the world. So in Asia, South America, Europe, and that's basically what we do. We're 99% online, except for a couple of live events that we've done over the years. And we love what we do. We have a good time with it. So that's who yeah. we are. So you teach people from all over the world English, and you mainly yes. do that through podcasting, right? Yeah. I mean, our podcasts are, we have two of them, two shows. They are kind of a big part of what fuels our, our, our company and our audience and engages our audience and gets them excited about what we believe in, in terms of language learning. Um, but then of course we do other things. We publish courses, we provide uh, different products. We also do, we've done a few live events over the years in Tokyo, in New York, in Boston, And those have been some of the best moments for this company, for sure. Yeah. Well, I'm definitely interested in learning more about the live events. But your <laughs> your your podcast is very popular, right? I mean, I saw on your website yeah. that you guys got like 75,000 yeah. downloads per day. Is it really that big? Yeah. I mean, it, yeah, it looks like it's hard to know from the RSS feed that they don't give you your subscriber numbers, just like a, a YouTube channel would. But we're coming up against around 200 million downloads, getting close to it. We're about 198 million since we launched in 2013. So I think that the podcast just kind of strikes a chord uh, with listeners. It hits them in the heart and the head and it gets them excited about learning. So, Whoa. yeah. It's crazy. So you said you got started with the podcast in 2013. Is that yep. when you got started with All Ears English? Is Was the yes. podcast the first platform? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So All Ears English was born as a podcast. So I started with my original co-host back in Boston, back in 2013. It feels like a lifetime ago at this point. Uh, and we started in a living room, just plugging in a microphone. And I think the content just caught on. I think people felt that we were authentic and genuine. And we both had taught in classrooms out in the world and we had seen what ESL is not doing well. Like what mm -hmm. is being done poorly in terms of teaching the traditional methods. And we wanted to create something new and have a different message. Yeah. Like, hey, you can learn a language and still be yourself and enjoy it. It should be a pleasure to learn. It shouldn't yeah. be a chore. Yeah. So, so that's what where it started. Your, 
Yeah, what was your ambition at the time? Like, yeah. do you want to turn this thing into a business or you were, were you just doing this for fun? Like, how do you get the idea to start a podcast? Um, so I've always been pretty entrepreneurially minded because my dad was a business owner. So I've always been inclined in that direction. But at the time when we first started, I had another business. It was a tutoring company. And I thought that this little podcast would just be a side job, right? A weekend fun hobby thing. And then once it started taking off, I wanted to spend more time on it naturally. And as time went on, I just felt like there was something special that wasn't there with the tutoring company. It just something very special in the brand, in what we were creating. And so that gave me the, I don't know, the energy to keep going with it and to hire and then to hire a team and to move forward. Yeah. So what did it make so special for you? I don't know. I think that what, what, what it comes down to, I think is our core message. Um, and the, the, the slogan, the phrase is connection, not perfection. Um, and that just means a lot for me personally, because I had spent years traveling a few years in South America, a year in South America, a year and a half in Japan, learning these languages and at times feeling a little disconnected due to not having the right words due to not understanding everything. So I felt like I could empathize with what it feels like to be on the outside, to not be connected when yeah. you're trying to learn this language, right? Yeah. I don't know. It just felt like it was, I could see myself and our listeners in a yeah. sense. And I think that even now today, they can hear that in our voices because a lot of us on the team now have lived abroad, have tried to learn these languages, have been in these awful situations, right? <laughs> Where we've been embarrassed or at a dinner and we just can't understand anything. And so I think that they hear that behind our teaching in a sense. Does that make any sense? Yeah, well, definitely. Yeah. And yeah. how long did it take for, for the podcast to, to take off? I, I guess in the beginning, it kind of, it, you know, it was 2013. So it was a very different time. Um, podcasting was not a thing. No one really knew what a podcast was. Um, it was a very nerdy, new niche thing. It was not mainstream at all. Um, and so I think at first it kind of did take off relatively quickly just because there wasn't a lot out there. Um, our colors are kind of bright and I think it just attracted eyes and then it just went, it just, it just happened. And then it started to snowball in a sense. Um, and so the other key is that we were, we've always been extremely consistent, almost to a fault. So literally we've never missed an episode. We publish four days a week on All Ears English and three days a week on IELTS Energy, which is our other show. We train for the IELTS exam uh, and we've never missed a day. And we've debated whether we should pull back, whether we should change that. But, and we can debate that another time, right? As a team and we may. However, if we, if we say to our audience, we're going to publish four days a week, we're going to do it. Thanksgiving, December, whatever it is, it's going to get done. So we set up the systems so it always gets done. And I think that can't be undervalued, right? Is the, can't be overvalued, sorry, is the importance of being consistent and doing yeah. what you, you say you're going to do to your audience. Like, hey, we're going to publish X number of times a week. So you do it. Yeah. So when did you start realizing that you could actually turn this podcast into a business? I don't, I mean, like I said, I feel like the message was always very like strong and it was profound. So I, I kind of knew I had an intuition that if there's a profound message behind a brand, it's going to do well. If you have that product market fit, it's not just like, Hey, we sell courses. Hey, we sell this. It's like, no, we believe in something. We have a certain angle on learning languages. And if you guys believe that too, then come and follow us. So I guess 
about around the year, year and a half mark, I realized like, hey, this needs to continue. We're not going to stop doing all ears English. There's something special. And that was the point where I hired my team to continue with me. And we expanded into specifically the IELTS exam. So we decided to niche down. And that was one of our first smart moves that I think a lot of probably language entrepreneurs maybe don't do. Mm -hmm. They stay really broad. And I hired someone, Jessica Bag is my colleague who's been with me for five years now. She had been an examiner for 14 years. And so she knew the exam better than anyone. And I knew that IELTS was huge in ESL. Um, and so as soon as, as she joined our team, we decided to build a course pretty much right away within three or four months. Yeah. And that course has been monetized ever since. Yeah. Um, and so we've been able to go deep in that one niche while still building the broad brand of All Ears English and sending people to the IELTS if they're taking it. And then yeah. later, of course, we can expand. But you do at some point need to niche down deeply, deep, yeah. deep expertise in something. Yeah. Otherwise, I think you just get lost in the shuffle. Yeah, we talk about that all the time because there are so many podcasts, especially nowadays, right? Especially for English or Spanish yeah. or like the bigger languages. So how do you, because niching down, you know, oftentimes it's it's difficult to do, right? Because you're passionate about languages or sure. about English. You want to talk about all kinds of topics. Um, how did you know that it was going to work? <laughs> and why did you go specifically for, for that niche? Yeah. Well, I didn't know it was going to work. You can never know, right? In business, it's all you're betting on everything. It's a gamble. But I like that kind of risk in life that kind of gets me excited. Um, And I didn't really debate it because once I hired Jessica, I knew that that was what she knew. It would be silly to say, oh, no, I know you've been an examiner for 14 years. You actually know this exam better than pretty much anyone in the world. <laughs> and now we're going to do TOEFL. That would make no sense, right? So you go with what you have on your team. Okay. Um, and, and then I did a little research, of course, on the IELTS exam and conveniently realized it's way bigger than TOEFL. Um, it's it's worldwide as opposed to TOEFL is kind of just within the US, right? Yeah. Um, and so we just went in that direction. It was kind of a no brainer. We had to make the investment, of course, to spend more hours building the course, but that was a risk I was willing to take when I knew what kind of expertise we had on the team. Yeah. yeah. And how did you finance hiring Jessica? Was this from other revenue streams? Because at the time you were not selling anything yet, right? Yeah. I mean, we started small. So I believe in, you know, offering good pay, good benefits and retaining your talent long term. You know what I mean? So we started small, but we we do pay well. Um, and I think that, you know, we, we started with a certain small number of hours a week. And then once we launched the course, we were making more money. We could have a few more hours being put in by the team, right? So it just yeah. kind of, we can always scale back. It's not like we're, we've got like five people working full-time jobs, right? People are working part-time um, and based on how we're doing, we can spend a little bit more money on, on payroll and that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Did the second podcast grow as quickly as the, uh, as the first one? Well, the second podcast is more niche, so it's never been as big, but it certainly is very consistent in its numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, it it caught on. It has a loyal listener base and it has a certain purpose to drive people to the course, whereas the All Ears English show is to drive to get people to know our philosophy and then drive them to wherever they need to go, whether it's just continuing to listen for free because they can't afford anything, which is totally fine by me, or whether it's subscribing to things or joining courses. Yeah. Um, and then now most recently this summer, we had the time and the space to build a business course, a business English course. Um, and so we've been able to build that course now, which is, I've wanted to do that for a long time. So that was one of those check the box 
you know, yeah. felt good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you still run these two podcasts today, right? How yes. do you decide to, you know, how do you decide how much resources, so time and, and money you, you put in each of them? And why don't you just continue with the one that works best? Is it, do you want to diversify yeah. or how do you go about, about that? Yeah, I think part of it was... I felt like it would be quite smart to have a show that was more going along with the idea of niching down in business, right? To niche down in the podcast world. So if Apple Podcasts or Spotify is a search engine and people are searching for IELTS, you can't really optimize so much on the main show for IELTS because then all these other people, it's just easier when you know exactly who, I mean, marketing is so much easier. Everything is easier when you niche down. Um, and so we've just consistently invested X amount of money every week in producing the shows. It brings in students on a regular basis. The episodes are evergreen. They go on our website as well. We get a blog post on every, so it's kind of just a, it's a, it's a continuing wheel, <laughs> yeah. um, but it's working. So, you know. Yeah. Have you ever thought about starting a third podcast and why haven't you done that so far? <laughs> I've certainly thought about it. Yeah. But, you know, I think we need to make sure we're maximizing on the content we're creating now because we create a lot of content. We yeah. don't always maximize as much as we should outside okay. of the podcast. Just this year, we've started filming our YouTube videos and putting one episode a week of the podcast being recorded on video on YouTube. So trying to expand the YouTube audience, which we really haven't been emphasizing much uh, yeah. over the last five years. So we're doing mm -hmm. that, but there's so much more that we could do with what we have now. So yeah. the idea of creating a whole nother podcast is a little overwhelming. We may at some point, but I think we'd need to make sure the systems are in place for that. Yeah. yeah. Can you tell us a little bit more about how the business works? Because people listen to the podcast and then I guess at the end of each episode, there is a call to action or something you send people to the website. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, process. definitely. There's always been a call to action, but we've found, so a couple of things that we've been doing lately is investing in more technology. So we built an iOS app uh, actually a couple of years ago. So there's a whole premium subscription plan in there. Mm -hmm. Um, and then building an Alexa skill a couple of years back where they can listen to uh, the podcast in their kitchen. So trying to be very forward thinking and what's the up and coming technology. But basically the way it works, yeah, there's a call to action. We're moving more into quizzes now. A couple of things that we've found have been really successful in the last few years. Quizzes that drive uh, our audience into uh, automated web class which yep. then invites them into the course. We yep. think that that works pretty well. Yep. Um, and live web classes. We love doing these. We've been doing them every six weeks or so mm -hmm. for the last two years. And that's been successful. Yeah. Can you so, give an example of one of the quizzes that you uh, have and, and how definitely. does it work? Because I've quite a few people who ask me, like, how can I segment my audience, you know, yeah. like placement test. Can you recommend maybe a few of the, yeah. uh, the apps or software? I mean, it's so easy with language, right? Because in the end, languages lend themselves to quizzes very, very well. We segment our audience right now in three directions. We've got our business segment, we've got our general fluency segment, and our IELTS segment. And so right now we have a quiz running. Um, it can go, it takes them two minutes. Because Jessica was an examiner, she was able to create a quiz that would pretty much pinpoint more or less what their score might be if they took IELTS today. Okay. So they answer seven or eight questions. Um, and we target that entire campaign based on, uh, what their level is at that point. So they're yeah. receiving emails that are saying, Hey, we know that this is what you would score. If you took the exam t tomorrow, here's what you need before you go in and take the test. Yeah. And we're about to launch the next one, which is just a fluency quiz, 
which will invite them into our general fluency course, which is a, uh, an interesting course where I drove around the U S <laughs> we do crazy things. We do weird. <laughs> I drove around the U S and I interviewed, uh, like 70 native speakers. Um, and just, we brought all this content together about different topics about American culture, about gun rights in the U S gay marriage, homelessness, the deep South, the history of slavery, all these things. And we brought this content back and made it into a listening course. Um, so it's pretty unique. It's not the kind of thing that you find in a typical yep. English course. <laughs> mm -hmm. And any software that you can recommend for people who want to create placement tests or want to segment the audience? Yeah, I mean, a lot of things. So I, we use Bucket. So giving away all our secrets here, but that's okay. Happy to help. <laughs> um, we found a lot of success with the quiz method and we use Bucket.io. Uh, it's a little expensive. It's like $100 a month, but I think it's well worth it for what it brings in in terms of leads and, and sales. It allows you to create basically buckets uh, based on quiz results and then drive the leads in different directions. You can tag the leads based on what score they get into your CRM or your uh, your Entreport, your Infusionsoft, Active Campaign, whatever you're using, yeah. right? And then you can bring them into your campaign. Yeah. So I like Bucket. Yeah. And you sell over email or do you have webinars, live classes, as you said? So we do do live webinars too. And that's separate from that those quiz campaigns. Um, we invite our audience every six months or weeks or so. Sometimes it's a business class. Sometimes it's general fluency or IELTS. And that's fun because we get to be live with them. We get to answer their questions and chat. It's just like a whole energy thing that happens. Um, yeah. And those, are, those usually work pretty well. Not every time, but usually it ends up being worth our while for the mm. preparation. Yeah. yeah. I got lots of questions about course creation. Many people want to know how to create a good language course. You do have a few courses. Yeah. Any, like, how do you go about course creation? Maybe how do you know what kind of course is going to work? Maybe, maybe that's the question in, in the first. Yeah. Time. Yeah. I mean, I think course creation or any idea, any product creation is like this mix of intuition, what you know about your listeners, what you know about your your field, your, you know, your discipline and science talking to them. So we lately, we will not build a course without talking to like 10 to 15 students. I mean, that's just 10 to 15 people, right? It's not a rule what you get, but you start to get a sense of what's out there and what they need and what are the gaps in the market. Like we just launched a program offering um, uh, conversation, pr listening practice for multiple speakers. So we noticed that out there, there's not a whole lot when it comes to practicing your listening, listening to multiple people speaking in English, yeah. it's just one-to-one -one. and like, yeah. oh, let's offer something where our whole, let's take advantage of the fact that we have four people on our team. Let's come together, create some content to help them get their bearings when they listen to multiple speakers. Yeah. So, um, talk to your audience, uh, go with, look online. We do competitive analyses. We're not the most scientific about it. Cause that's not the way I think. Um, uh, but I get a gut check, right? What's out there. What's clearly missing. What, you know, try to read between the lines in a sense. Yeah. Um, and then stick to like your branding, your differentiator. We try to put a lot of personality into our work. Every time we always try to interview native speakers in all of our courses, we bring them in, bring them on camera, we did that in the business course and of course the fluency course. So that's mm -hmm. something, there are certain 
elements you want to see in every course you produce as a brand, as part of your branding. So it's kind of those three things. So how do you create a good course then? How do you go about the production? Like, is there a, do you have like like a a workflow or yeah? Yeah. I mean, so I'd have to go back and look because we created our last one in June and July and we really hustled. We, first of all, we set a very aggressive deadline. Um, We had one person in charge of project management. So we had Jessica take on the role of project manager and she loved that. She really just built her skills, learned a lot through that work, that role. And so she was kind of like sending people the, the assignments for the week. And this is what we have to get done by the end of the week. Um, in term, what else can I like tell you in terms of like the mechanics of how we make it like the software yeah. or yeah like what kind of how do you know like what what you're going to teach in the modules and what kind of promises yeah can you make and mm. is it just video or is it audio is it pdfs is it something with yeah. the app and how do you make all those okay so this time when we our most recent creation when we created the business course we had um, our team make the curriculum, write out the curriculum first based on the interviews. Uh, Specifically, Jessica wrote the curriculum. She's written like 12 textbooks. So she has a lot of experience in curriculum development. Um, And so she took that knowledge and insight based on the interviews and her experience, wrote out kind of deliverables, things we want students to be able to do by the end of each module. And then from there, it just breaks down into lessons. And then we went back to the students and we said, hey, what do you think about this curriculum? And hey, by the way, how much would you pay for it? Or would you pay this? Mm. And again, you can never know. I mean, unless you pre-sell, which is something people do too. Of course, you know, we've experimented with that. You can do that. Um, But like, I just felt like it was kind of a gut feeling. Again, we knew that our audience needed a business English course. And there's also something to your audience is your audience. They love you. Like if you build something, if they're loyal to you, they love your work. They've been following you for four years. If you build something that they need, chances are good. They're going to go for it. You know, not everyone, but enough of them will go for it that it will make sense. Um, And so that's kind of how it went. Yeah. Yeah. So you listen to the you listen to your audience, you talk to them, sure. you look what's out there on the market, and then you try to fill the gap. You try to fill that, you know, what what's missing. And then you create a course on that topic. Then how do you go about sales? Like copywriting? Um, yeah. It, you know, do you do everything yourself? Do you work with copywriters? How does No, I've never had co- hired copywriters. I write a lot of the copy on my own. We've had sessions as a team where we work on our brand script. Uh, brand scripting. So for the three dimensions of our brand, what is our core? Like what's the core driving motivation of users? What's What do we say? We've done that, but I don't hire copywriters. I just write the copy myself and the team writes the copy. Um, in terms of how we do it, yeah, we, we basically, we, we go ahead and build it and then kind of, I guess... What we did this time was we did a soft launch and a hard launch. So what we did was we invited people to get on the list. Um, and that would be kind of an insider's list that the yeah. course, as soon as it was as it was available, it would only be launched to that soft list yeah. and no one else would get to see it until later. Yeah, so and you so- work, just for mm-hmm. our audience, you work with an interest list, right? So before you launch, you say, Hey, we're yes. working on this course, click here if you're interested. And then you exactly. And we tell them that this is the only way you'll be able to get it at the best yeah. price in the beginning. Yeah. So that was both launches, the soft and the hard work much more successful than I expected them to be. So clearly we struck a chord this summer with this course. Um, and so we launched it to the soft list 
then we said, oh, wow, that worked. Okay. Um, at that point, we moved the price point up to be in integrity with what we've offered. They're not going to get it that cheap. And then we ran uh, the hard launch, which included the live web class, mm -hmm. um, because that's tended to be our a really successful method for us. So yeah. we discounted it again during the hard launch web class, and then it went back up to the normal price yeah. for ongoing. So now our challenge is how do we continue to make sure we're selling it uh, on an ongoing basis if we're yeah. not launching it. I mean, the IELTS yeah. course sells because it has it has its legs already. It's been around for five years. It's got a lot of reviews out there. It's just a good course. Yeah. The newer courses, how do we make sure mm -hmm. that those are selling on their own uh, without having to launch, launch, launch. Yeah. So that's that's the challenge. Yeah. Because it takes a lot of time, energy, and also stress, right? To do all those launches every time. Yeah. Especially it's with kind such of, a big audience receive yeah. like 100 emails per day and yeah i'll say it's kind of, of sometimes it's a little refreshing like when we say this is what we're going to do for the next month this is the only goal that matters because yeah. as a business owner you've got things coming at you all yeah. the time right like admin stuff this that this problem needs to be solved that yep. sometimes it's nice when you say this is what we're going to do but then other aspects of the business need your attention yeah so. That's the thing, right? With launches, there is also always an opportunity cost because it takes a lot of time yeah. and energy and focus as well. And in that time, you know, there's other things that you cannot do. So, yeah. exactly. Um, would you recommend everybody to do a soft launch, a soft launch first, like when they launch a course for the first time, or? I think if you have an audience, I think everything comes back to the audience. If you have your audience, if you're consistent with the content you provide to them, if they say. They would miss you if you didn't show up on a Tuesday, then you've got a great audience and they will, then that could work well. However, yeah. I would recommend if people are getting started, build that audience. Don't worry about launching anything. Don't worry about selling anything. I wouldn't sell anything for a good year, nine months to a year. Just build a loyal audience. Make sure you understand them, like survey them, talk to them, understand like what your branding is, what your message is and how it intersects with them. Yeah then worry about what you're going to build and how you're going to launch it. Yeah. Mm. Just to give our audience some perspective here, do you remember how many people you had on the mailing list when you launched your first course? Oh, geez. Yeah, I think it was when we launched our first course, I think it was like around 10,000 10, people, 15,000 people. It was pretty small. After one year. Yeah, yeah small. I think so. Mm -hmm. It was pretty Oof. small. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I don't know. I think at that point we had been live with the IELTS podcast for five months. So we knew we had a niche that we had a certain segment of them that really needed IELTS. They were taking the exam. Mm -hmm. And again, the IELTS course too was a very slow build. <laughs> In the beginning, we were selling like three courses a week, <laughs> you know, I mean, you, and so, and then it gradually picked up after a couple, you know, years and years and years of, of you know, people understanding that it works. So it takes time. I mean, these things take a lot of time. You got to be in it for the long, long haul. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you need to have the belief that one day it's going to work, right? That one day your Absolutely. mailing list is going to be so big or you're collecting yeah. so many leads that you can just make sales on autopilot every single day, right? Totally. Totally. Um, yeah. So how big is the team nowadays? Is it the four of you? Yeah. So, uh, so it's me as the owner and then there I have three team members. So yeah. we are all over the country in Oregon, uh, New Jersey and Arizona. So How often very, do you guys meet up? 
So we individually podcast together. I podcast with Michelle. Um, I meet with Jessica once a week. And then Aubrey and I work together on the main pod. So it's all these different like dyads that work together. And then the four of us lately have been getting together to record this new product that we're making, this subscription product. Um, and then we do try to have meetings at least twice a year, if not three or four times a year to make sure people are on track for their goals. We've done things like StrengthsFinder on, on the team building side, um, having them take a StrengthsFinder um, assessment to understand what their strengths are and how can we use those strengths on the team to help build the company and help make yeah. sure that they're working towards their goals, right? Because this yeah, is their career. Yeah. And we need to make sure people feel like they're being pushed and challenged and learning new things. Yeah. Um, Do you have a tool for that or...? So StrengthsFinder, so um, it's called StrengthsFinder 2.0. We've done that a few times. I like that. And we hired a coach to work with us this year to Mm. help us understand our results. And that's been kind of, kind of cool. Um, Because once people take that assessment, they realize, oh yeah, that's why I enjoy that. I didn't realize that was valuable and here's how Mm. I can use it. Can you give an example of how somebody in the team? Definitely. Yeah, for sure. So I mean, some things around live presentation. So Michelle likes to be live. I also enjoy being live, but we hadn't been doing webinars. And the coach, once we did our first round of the StrengthsFinder assessment, the coach said, why are you not spending more time in front of an audience? Like you need to be live. They need to hear your voice. Clearly with you, your voice, you build that connection. And from that point, we started doing webinars and it's brought in a lot of extra revenue for the business and converted more people. So we're not going to stop that. So that's a good example of an insight that we've gotten through StrengthsFinder that we maybe wouldn't have thought of before. Yeah. So cool. We're going to check out the tool. I'm going to add it in the show notes. Thanks for Mm -hmm. sharing that. How do you go about hiring your team members? Where do you find them? Oh, geez. So the first, so Michelle and Jessica, I heard them a long time ago. This was 20, it's would have been 2014 fall. And I'm so thankful that they're, they're still on the team. I feel lucky every day for my team. Um, I wouldn't want to do this on my own. A lot of people do do it on their own, but I think it would just be lonely and hard. <laughs> um, so I found them through, I messaged every master's TESOL program I could find in the entire country. <laughs> I called mm. every office. And this was back in the days when there were listservs. Listservs aren't really a thing anymore. Um, but in 2014, I would call like, hey, do you have a list to all your graduates of your TESOL master's program? Um, and then they both applied. Um, and then Aubrey, more recently, I think I found her through LinkedIn. So LinkedIn is becoming a more common recruitment tool. Yeah. So using like a recruiter account on LinkedIn mm-hmm. was the the method last year, more recently. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you go about the interviews then? Like, do you interview a lot of people or only a few? And yeah. You do tests or mm-hmm. lots of tests. Yeah, for sure. We had a lot last time we hired last fall. We had I think we had like around sixty applications. Um, so we asked for a video introduction because we want to hear their voice. We want to hear their energy and see if they could command the energy and the attention that we need them to be able to do on the podcast. Right. Cause that's the primary thing still. Um, and then we'll do a first interview with one of us. Uh, and then if that, if we set up certain parameters, so going back just a step back, 
when we hired our last uh, team member, we did sit down and literally like we envisioned the person we wanted. We wrote down, we want them to be this way. We want them to value this. We want them to be this. We wrote out like 10 to 15 things that are really important in a team member. And I actually think that was really helpful because then when we came down to the final five or so, we, we looked at that list again and we yeah. thought, do they have this quality? Are they this way? Um, and then there's a second interview that includes a trial podcast recording. So uh, either I or Jessica would get on the mic with them and we record, we'd have to ask them to plan the episode. And then we'd ask them to go ahead and create a title for it at the end, just see how they do on the mic. Yeah. Um, and then we ended up deciding and it came down to two people and we went with our gut at that point. Yeah. And it was a great show. I'm so happy that Aubrey's on our team. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Well, you've built a big online business and, you know, there's so many things that we need to learn as online business owners, right? We need to learn about how to create, how to launch a podcast, how to create content, how to, how to capture e email addresses, how to build relationships with our followers over email, copywriting, um, sales course creation, hiring people. How do you learn all that stuff? Is it just <laughs> on the on the go or? Oh my gosh, good question. I think it's just I love the I, I love the grittiness of entrepreneurship, the scrappiness of it. You know what I mean? I like having to learn things and then implement them right away. Yeah, I think I'd be bored being in like a corporate job, honestly. So it's fun. So that gets me excited. But a combination of reading new new stuff. Uh, listening to other podcasts, other business podcasts, of course, right? Um, and then also having coaches over the years. I just recently joined a really interesting program called Strategic Coach, uh, which coaches uh, business owners in large larger groups. Um, yeah. They're based out of Chicago. So you would go to Chicago four times a year, go to the coaching sessions. Um, we're doing it online now, but that's a new venture for me to be a part of a, a peer group of very successful entrepreneurs um, and have a chance to have that network, not just a, a coach that I've hired, but a group yeah. and being coached by the coaches within the program. So coaching, yeah. reading, studying, learning. Yeah, I don't know. It's a little bit of everything, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I have another difficult question for you. How do you know what to do next in your business? Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> that is something I absolutely, I think we're getting better at understanding that. I really think we are. So We've been really good at strategically at the beginning of every year, at least starting last year, sitting down saying, hey, where do we want to be revenue wise by the end of next year? Um, and what are the building blocks of that? Like, what are the things that we need to do that will get us there? It gets easier and easier the further along you go. Like we launched an iOS app. We know how much revenue that's brought in in the last year. So we can assume that an Android app would bring in two thirds of that revenue. Right. So we can get that math really easily. Yeah. Um, but when you're new, 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 you just don't know. But I would say go for the big things, right? Mm -hmm. Go for the, what are the things that you feel are really going to move the needle? Having a team is huge, right? Because they can multiply your work and they can do things I couldn't do. I, I never really went into any depth with IELTS, right? I don't teach IELTS. It's my team that teaches IELTS. So they can do things that you don't have the skills in. And I don't need to go learn IELTS. I yeah. can hire people that do that and can allow us to go deep into that niche. Um, but deciding on the big things, writing them down, maybe five, three to five, three, four, five big things, and then working backwards. Okay. In the yeah. first quarter, which of these big things are we going to do? We also use the OKR system objectives. And I don't know if you've read it's by, I think I have it right here. Yeah. Have you heard of it? Nope. 
Okay. Um, John Dare wrote a book called OKRs, and it's a system that um, Intel used to use, and I think Google. So objectives, key results, basically every week, or it comes back to your yearly goals, which come back to your quarterly goals, which come back weekly. And they say, you say, what are the you know, two, three things you're going to get done this week. It's very yeah. targeted yeah. and it's, it's, it works well. It's worked really well to keep us focused this year. Yeah. So going to check out all those resources. What is like your number one advice for somebody who, who has language skills and wants to turn these language skills into a profitable online business? Mm, my number one piece of advice, I'd say, figure out what you believe in. It sounds so cheesy. Don't go to what course can I build? How much money can I make? What software do I use? Go to what do you believe about learning a language? Like, what do you think works? And what do you think is broken right now in the way it's being done? Yeah. Get really clear on that with yourself. Hire a team, maybe do it by yourself in the beginning, but eventually hire a team that believes the same thing and then communicate that, right? For us, the connection, not perfection piece is like the glue that holds everything together. Yeah. It's like what keeps our listeners coming back because then at that point, your audience identifies with a value. It's yeah. like a why. Um, and then you're so much stronger than any course you're ever going to build so much stronger than any ebook you're ever going to sell, right? In the end, it's just, it's just like courses and ebooks. You have to have meaning behind your brand. It's also going to keep you going. If you believe in that vision, like yeah. it gets you up in the morning. It's like, yeah. It, yeah. It's also a very crowded, becoming a very crowded space, right? There's so many podcasts or YouTube channels for English learners. And one way to stand mm -hmm. out is by having a very, a very clear, unique message, right? I, I mean, think uh, so. Of course, mm -hmm. you, know, you can always niche down only yes. teach English for, I don't know, Belgian people who want to move to the States. But you can also have your own, you know, your own message, put your own spin on it and, and your own beliefs and, and, and values and all those things that, you know, that I saw on your website. Yeah. It's a way to stand out, of course. Um, yeah. Any other thoughts that you want to share here with uh, people who are just getting started? I think, like I said, figure out your value, figure out what matters to you, figure out like what deeply disturbs you. Like for me, it deeply disturbs me the idea of someone being disconnected because of a language. The fact that a language would come between you and someone else. For some reason that like really bothers me. Figure yeah. out what bothers you. What is the problem you're trying to solve? I, don't, I think it's debatable whether you should start with the niche and then go broad or start broad and then go with the niche. But at some point early on, I do think, like I said before, yeah. you need to get as specific as you can because like I said, otherwise you get lost. It's too broad. Everyone just wants to improve their English, offer something pretty specific. And then, and then I would branch out from there. I think mm -hmm. That's probably the smartest way to go, especially if things are getting more crowded. I don't pay a whole lot of attention to what else is online other than other people we work with that we have on our show. I don't spend much time going around and be like, who else is selling things other than competitive analyses, right? Because it's a waste. You Once you figure out your vision, you're creating your content, it's you, your team, and your audience. Don't worry about everyone else. You yeah. know what I mean? Just keep don't going. Just, exactly. And be consistent. <laughs> you have to be consistent. Yeah. For sure. What do, you, what do you think is the most challenging thing about building your own online business? Hmm. I would say 
Well, for me, I've never been a very analytical person. So I'm, I'm coming up to a point where I need to get a lot more data driven because we're making big decisions, taking big risks in making big investments, building software, <laughs> right? So things that I could, I could buy a house with, <laughs> you know, instead of building this software. So I need to get a lot more, um, more data driven and making sure I really understand the risk, the assumptions, at what point will we reach this point of revenue? It's not the way I think. So that's, so I think it, I think getting started, it's enough to just have a, a hunger, like be entrepreneurial. But I think at some point you'll hit a point where you have to get really get down to the numbers and be really strategic because you have people's payroll on the line. You have, we, we, you know, you have, you have things going on. People are, are relying on you at some point. So there because the stakes get a little bit higher, I guess, in a sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. And what's the best thing about building an online business? Oh my God. It's, it's everything, right? I still love it. I, it's the free, it's autonomy, right? It's, it's the fact that I can get up. I, I can, you know, decide how to spend my day, the smartest way to spend my day. My team can do the same thing. They have a lot of autonomy. As long as they get their work done, they have the autonomy. They have the freedom of thought. Um, so autonomy and vision, I mean, still feeling like we can change a listener's world or an audience member in Japan or in China could listen to our episode and they could say, oh, I wasn't feeling so good until I listened to All Ears English. And then I just felt better. Like I just, now I feel I can have a good day. I don't know. It's just feeling like you can have a direct impact on the market, not just monetarily, but in terms of the way people feel. I think that's pretty, a good reason to get out of bed in the morning. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. yeah, Lindsay, thank you very much for this interview. I'm sure you inspired a lot of Langpreneurs to, you know, to, to find their message and, and, and to get out of bed and to start creating content. So thank you very much for sharing all, the, all, uh, all your lessons. And of course, we're going to add all the, all, the, uh, all the resources that you mentioned in the show notes. Um, if people want to learn more about you and about your brands, where can they go? Yeah, sure. Happy to happy to come on the show. Thanks for having me, Jan. Uh, I think the best place to go is just allearsenglish.com. Right now, I don't have a personal blog or any kind of side thing going on around entrepreneurship. So allearsenglish.com. Come and check out our blog, what we're doing. And I uh, just want to wish everyone good luck. I think entrepreneurship is such a noble course of uh, such a um, it is such a brave thing to pursue, right? Especially nowadays with so much uncertainty, but it's really a cool thing to see that you can be out on your own, build your team, build your vision and just move forward with it despite maybe being afraid. So yeah, good luck. <laughs> Thanks, Lindsay. And uh, hope to talk to you soon. Absolutely. Thanks, Jen. Are you at a point where you feel you need some expert help? Then make sure to check out our Langpreneur coaching programs at langpreneur.com forward slash coaching. For now, thanks for listening and see you in the next episode.